But even in this case, you know, when it hit $4 at its nadir in March or so, people weren't expecting it to go back to $100. I think before this past year, GameStop's like all-time high around 2008 was around $60. And that essentially was when it was, you know, actually doing well. And it was this, you know, strong brand name in U.S. households. And what happened though, what was more interesting about GameStop was how shorted it was. Hello and welcome to another episode of Chatter. Today I am talking to Lily Frankus, um, also known as uh, Lily Salience Frankus on Twitter, head of fashion at Salience Capital, a former teenager and definitely not someone giving out investment advice. Lily, welcome to the show. Thank you. Glad to be here. No problem. Yeah, we're here to talk about about mostly about GameStop because it's been a wild ride. But just before we start, I, I have to plug two things. First of all, my book has just been released, Brexit, the Establishment Civil War. So if you want to get a good look at how social media is influencing politics, I would recommend you go buy it. And also our sponsor, ExpressVPN, the number one most trusted VPN on the internet. You can get servers in 160 locations across 94 countries by following the link in the description below. And right now, there's 35% off 12 months of ExpressVPN with a 30-day money-back guarantee. So now I've got that out the way. Lily, what is the NOPE chart? Because this is something you've been working on since, did you tell me, late January? Do you want to explain to people what it is? Sure. So I am an independent quantitative researcher. I do a lot with options trading, essentially. And I do a lot of research on how options are impacting the current market. Uh, the NOPE or the net options pricing effect is a model that I created starting about August of last year. And currently we have it live on our website called nopechart.com. And essentially what it looks at is the net delta that is you know, present on various tickers due to the impact of trading. I can definitely go into more, you know, if people want to know about what delta is, it is one of the option breaks. And essentially what it does is it's used for predicting these intraday reversions as well as next day behaviors on the market. Okay, so for total novices, do you want to just give us a brief explanation of what exactly an option is? So like, what are people buying when they're buying an option? Sure. So options, essentially, I mean, they have two use cases. One is for insurance and one is for speculation. An option is really divided into, or in this case, what's called a vanilla option, is divided into what's either a call option or a put option. A call option is this bullish contract. So bullish meaning you expect the price to go up where you're stating that you will buy a certain ticker or certain stock symbol in a grouping of 100 shares at a certain date at a certain price. A put option is kind of the inverse. It's a bearish option. And essentially you're betting on the price to go down. So if you're buying a put option, you're saying, I will want the right but not the requirement to sell you certain shares at a certain price at a certain date. And these are interesting because essentially put options, you know, before fairly recent times were primarily used by market participants to kind of hedge. So they allow you to set up strategies like callers where you can use 
these options and pay money to avoid market volatility on your, let's say, long portfolio. But more recently, especially in the advent of like Robinhood and other brokers allowing these, you know, retail investors to trade options for free, they've been used more and more as a speculative tool. So they allow people to effectively bet on the outcome of, let's say, the market or stock and put a lot less money down than, for instance, buying the shares. Mm. Now, the, the the options is something I've only come to the, the Wall Street bets community in the last uh, two months or so. And the options trading is something that seems to be like at the start, I didn't even understand what it was. It just seemed like really, really, really intelligent or stupid gambling <laughs> and and like I've, I've come to understand it in the way that, that there's call options especially in the way that you've described it there as like speculation on the price uh, so for example I know today there's a whole bunch of uh, $800 call options that were bought for, for GameStop speculating in this case that the price would hit that much by this day uh, it's which is which is pretty wild given that that's like three times the price like why do you th- do you really think it's just the retail investors that have driven the the kind of increase in use of of, of options trading in the last sort of few years just because I, I saw a, a stat the other day that said that it's really exploded since uh since basically the end of 2019 yeah so i mean it's been a combination of things essentially retail investors have gotten more involved in the market um options like i said they're a lot cheaper than buying let's say let's say you're bullish on amazon and amazon right now is around thirty one hundred dollars a share so if i wanted to buy 100 shares of amazon i would need to put down approximately three hundred thousand dollars and that is a lot of money especially for retail investors but if I wanted to instead just say I am bullish in the next six months or something on Amazon, then instead of buying the shares outright, what I could do is buy, let's say, some version of a call option. And if I buy a call option right now, I'm going to $3,071. If I bought one for six months away at the money, so at the current price, I would instead be putting $30,000 down. And what's interesting about it is options have this, you know, concept called convexity. So they actually are, they pay out non-linearly. So the closer they are doing the money and the more they get in the money. So the more that they're over the strike price or the price that you are willing to buy or sell your contract at. So for instance, if the strike is $3,100 for a call option on Amazon, what this means is on a certain date, I am willing to buy this Amazon stock from you for $3,100 per share. And as it gets in the money, so as it goes above $3,100, the actual stock price, I start making money. And the more and more it goes in the money before the expiration date, the more money I make for the less money down. So essentially it acts kind of both as a bet on the market, but also as a lottery ticket. And that's what a lot of retail investors, especially this is kind of what Wall Street bets before this year was known for, where people would both use the options for like actual educated guesses and also do what are called YOLOs, where basically you just take the money and gamble. You buy these severely out of the money options. So for instance, instead of let's say the strike price being $3,100 
purchase on Amazon, let's say I buy an option for $4,000. That would essentially be like YOLO, especially if it's a pretty soon expiring contract because you would get it for a lot cheaper. Like if I did this $4,000 contract for, um, I don't know, like next month on Amazon, if it's even there, I don't think they have $4,000 up to they actually do. So they have a contract expiring in 14 days on Amazon for $4,000 strike price. So if I believe Amazon in the next 14 days might go up 25%, then essentially what I could do is buy this contract and I would pay like $50 total. And if I bought a hundred of these, I would make a ridiculous amount of money off the options due to the convexity of it. Yeah. I mean, it's definitely like, it's the, there's a lot of terms that I've had to get myself acquainted with in the last um, month, month and a half and attempted to dig through some of the financial literature. Every time you think you understand what's going on, I find that like there's more terms that you don't understand or like it gets like infinitely more complex the more you look at it. Um, but the, the main thing I wanted to get you here to talk about today was uh, GameStop. So right now, at this very moment as we record, uh, GameStop is trading at $275.15, which is fucking stupid. Like, uh, <laughs> when you consider that last year, it was at one point trading at like 4 or $5, and now it's at two seventy-five, and the the wall street bet uh, the wall street bets community is essentially saying why on earth would we sell with like hundreds and thousands of percent you know profit like, what, it, it's it's just become insane so do, do you want to give us like your best sort of like brief explanation as to as to what has gone on over the past two months with this with this stock sure so essentially you know gamestop has always been this idea of a value trap so a lot of value investors for years have gone into gamestop because they saw that this retailer was dying essentially i mean you know video game brick and mortar stores have not been doing well for the past i don't know decade or so and doubly so in the middle of a pandemic where their stores were actually closed for a large portion of it and there was this core nucleus of value investors who, if you know the story of deep fucking value, or he goes by Keith Gill, who's his real name, or Roaring Kitty on YouTube. <laughs> he was one of his original value investors who picked it up last year, looking to bet on the recovery of this retailer. But even in this case, you know, when it hit $4 at its nadir in March or so, people weren't expecting it to go back to $100, I think, before... This past year, GameStop's like all-time high around 2008 was around $60. And that essentially was when it was, you know, actually doing well. And it was this, you know, strong brand name in U.S. households. And what happened, though, what was more interesting about GameStop was how shorted it was. So shorting essentially is a bet by an individual that you are, the stock you are holding, that you're actually borrowing from another person you are going to sell it now and buy it back a leader. And whatever money you make as the differential is your profit. So GameStop was interesting because unlike most stocks, which have some level of short interest of like 10% or 5% or whatever, GameStop, there was over 100% of its available float and people were like, how is that even possible? Essentially what was happening was there was probably some level of naked shorting where people were actually 
shorting shares that did invest. And a lot of hedge funds, for instance, had piled onto this GameStop shorting trade beforehand because it was just seemed like a short thing. It was essentially free money. So a lot of these, you know, the, the core belief in this GameStop narrative was that, okay, not only is GameStop worth more than $4 or $6 or whatever it was, there are also these, this heavy short interest and we can squeeze it. And what a short squeeze is, it's an interesting concept because shorts essentially can lose an infinite amount of money, unlike holding long. Essentially, the stock could go from $4 to $20,000. And if you're short the stock from $4, you owe, you still need to buy the stock back at some point. And what that means is that you could lose an infinite amount of money. And we've seen it previously with shocks, like I think it was Porsche and Volkswagen, where when these rapid movements occur, when an, an event catalyzes a rapid jump in the stock price, these short sellers get squeezed. They have to buy the stock back rapidly because otherwise they are exposed to an infinite amount of losses. So between these two ideas, between the idea of GameStop as a value trade and between this idea of GameStop as a potential short squeeze, this really got the attention of retail investors starting around October of last year. Mm. I heard a great, um, there was a great podcast done by who I can't, I cannot remember the, who it was. I will put it in the description below because it'll be in my history. But they essentially, they were taught, telling the story of people who had realized this back in, in like October, September. And there was one guy like putting options on every single week until the short squeeze actually happened. And he was, he was like running low on money by the time it finally hit in at the end of January there. So the, the, that's that's like a fantastic explanation. Actually, it's one of the most succinct I've heard. Um, so yeah, thanks for that. But um, the the what happened then? It got to the twenty eighth of January, as far as I remember. The price spiked to four hundred and eighty dollars per share, very briefly. Um, and then there was a lot of trading halts uh, by, especially on some of the apps or like Robinhood. And then the price essentially fell off a cliff. And the, the the narrative was at this point that the you know it was over. GameStop was done. The hedge funds had covered, and yet now here we sit again with it at two seventy five. With the the sort of narrative online being that we haven't even seen the squeeze. So like, how, how did yeah how did we get from from that point to here? I mean, so essentially, they're really, and I'm, I'm holding the advice to this, I got a lot of slack when I said this in January, that Squeeze did not really seem to be a major driver of movement. Essentially, there was short sellers, and the most famous being, of course, Melvin Capital, who got really run over when GameStop blew up, you know, even according to their own, you know, deposition in Congress last month. But the main driver was option trading. Essentially, people were speculating with the zero-day options, and these are options that expired the same day. And this provided the initial momentum for it to go from, I think, around $40 in late January to about $80 the same day. And it ended that day around $65. And this has been a major driver of movements for GameStops ever since then, essentially. In all actuality, the short interest, I think, at last, you know, at last sourcing from Dinra was about 26%, but 
which still high for a normal stock, but not very likely to cause a short squeeze, especially, you know, not the mother of all short squeezes that Wall Street bets wants to believe or used to believe. Mm. So essentially what you're seeing here is not even related to short squeezing in general. That just was effectively a narrative that got people to buy the options which are powering this movement. Mm. So you think it's entirely options that are, are leading the price to be where they are right now? I mean, there is an element of short squeezing. I don't think at this price level, there's a significant amount of shorting going on, especially to the level that it would actually cause a short squeeze. But, you know, of course, when a stock moves rapidly, you're going to see a short squeeze. It's just that the movement itself is being driven by options. Okay. Have you seen some of the talk on online that the, the hedge funds have not covered, that they've taken um, ETFs um, and shorted the ETFs in order to find the shares to cover their original shorts and therefore they've doubled down. Um, just this is this is a narrative I've seen um yeah played out again and again. Yeah, that's complete nonsense. I mean a lot of people are saying a lot of things that are just complete nonsense about GameStop and misunderstanding basic market mechanics. And you can effectively short the ETF, but I think what they're conflating it with is this idea of the creation redemption process. And you would see that if someone shorted, let's say XRT, which is the retail ETF holding GameStop, Mm -hmm. they could potentially, and I'm actually not sure on myself if it's even possible, I somehow doubt it is, but you could go and redeem the XRT basket for GameStop shares that were represented in this ETF. Hmm. The issue is then it shows up as an outflow from XRT, which we didn't see, because in this case, you would actually be reducing the amount of shares that exist in the CTF. So again, a lot of people are saying a lot of nonsense. Okay, that's interesting. Um, so I, uh, this is this is fantastic. Actually, I can dismiss like I can start and dismiss some of the stuff that I've been hearing online because <laughs> like sometimes it's it's difficult to like try and try and get a grasp on on you know who 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 to believe in in this um sort of scenario so i've also seen um some talks about uh short ladder attacks like are they are they even a real thing or is no. this just another invention of of reddit it's just another invention of reddit there i've personally looked up short ladder attacks it's not a real thing okay uh, have you seen the the video of that's doing the rounds at the moment of jim kramer um, explaining on to I think I cannot remember the outlet again I will put it in the in the description below and I'm not sure he ever intended this to get out but it was essentially him talking to hedge funds about how to engage in in market manipulation or at least how to legally engage in some sort of price manipulation by using um, like shorts and uh, and and put option uh, shorts and options in order to like manipulate the price say you you're holding like a short position and you want to push it down is that again is this is something else that's being thrown around as like proof that this happens all the time that the price can be manipulated like is is this also rubbish I mean, I haven't seen the, the Kramer video you mentioned, but I mean, of course, price manipulation is the thing. We actually saw it. It was, I think, about two days ago, if I remember. Um, what we observed was GameStop rapidly dropped from about 350 to about 
198. It went the whole yeah. way down to one, yeah, 170. And essentially what happened, my understanding, is that a large, very large put order hit the book. And what this caused was the... In this round of GameStop, it's actually interesting because it's mostly being driven, from what I can tell, by retail investors and like the previous round, which was after the first day, mostly driven by high-frequency trading and hedge funds. And what this means is that the order book for GameStop was very thin, especially at the high prices. So because of this, a large order hitting at once basically took down every single order below it. It just completely decimated the order book because there was no standing orders, let's say, to buy, for instance, the 270 because retail investors were continuously just bidding up the price. So we see it that it basically rapidly dropped the price just with one order of puts and probably some shorted shares. Mm. Now the other thing I've seen talk of is that it's no longer just retail investors who are on the who are buying GameStop that a bunch of large institutions are, have seemingly jumped in. Um, is this again a realistic suggestion? Is like uh, from from what you've seen, or is this just again talk? So from what I've seen in the first round, so we're talking about January, we saw that retail flow only made up about, I don't know, uh, 20% of the actual movement after, you know, the first day or two. Mm. So this was largely a game between hedge funds. But for this round, for instance, um, to my understanding, it is primarily retail driven, which is why we saw that rapid movement from 350 to about 170 within space of what, 20 minutes? Mm. Yeah, yeah, it was 20 uh, It basically halved. It halved the price. Yeah. And that's because, you know, there just wasn't much going on in the order book. These you know, was mostly small lots moving around, essentially. And this was causing, you know, that when a large order hit, which probably did come from a fund or a firm, this basically nuked the price, at least temporarily. Mm. And, you know, I think this round, a lot of the funds are actually staying more out of it. I could be mistaken. I haven't actually looked at the data recently. Mm. So what do you think is is likely to happen then? We're not going to get the mother of all short squeezes here because there's there's a lot of people sort of sitting around. Um, I know the 19th, that's next Friday, has been pointed out as a date that will will trigger the short squeeze due to a whole bunch of uh, things converging. Um, I will stick the 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 end game due diligence, as it's known on online, um, in the description for people. But like, what do you think? What do you see happening here? Yeah. For next week, sorry, I, I didn't get that. Um, is it like there's a on the nineteenth of 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 uh, of uh, March. That's that's next Friday. There's a there's a lot of um, due diligence on on Reddit suggesting that that is the date that the short squeeze, the mother of all short squeezes, is going to happen. Um, so, like from what you've said, I, I get the impression that you think that's probably not the case. Um, how do you see this this saga kind of playing out? Essentially. Um, you know, people have been moving this date back and forth of the Mother of All Short Squeezes since I think it was December when I first saw it, you know, mentioned, especially on Reddit, Mother Short Squeezes. Mm-hmm. If I remember correctly, the 19th is GameStop's earnings, which is the catalyst and can lead to large movement in either direction. I do not think it's going to cause what they think Mother of Short Squeezes. Of mother of short squeezes would be, mm. you know, we will see probably it go up unless you know something really bad happens, 
or if it dies before then it's possible but i don't expect to see you know this massive movement to like 10k a share no it's 100k 100k is not a meme if you're not seeing <laughs> yeah, no, I've seen, I mean, effectively you know people have just yeah i mean people effectively will, will believe what they want to believe Mm, yeah, yeah, you can definitely say that again. Um, like, do you think that this this kind of moment? So we've watched the like the internet come for basically every every industry over the last. 10, 15 years, you know, it's taken over like how you book your taxi, how you book your flights. Um, it's changed the way politics functions. It's, it's, it's changing everything. And I, I kind of figured that, that like finance had, had maybe already had its disruption moment and it was kind of happening slowly. And um, there was, I, I don't know, it was just, I didn't, I didn't feel like, like finance was the next thing that was ripe for like internet disruption do you think this is going to be seen as like a significant moment in like the way that the internet can influence in you know the financial financial institutions markets and and whatnot because this is really the first time we've seen something like this yeah i mean i think that it's been building for years you know as we've seen with this excess liquidity being pumped in especially the reactions of like the u.s federal reserve then effectively the markets have become this gigantic bubble and as we saw last year basically stock just go up and what this has trained a lot of especially retail investors is to just buy calls with impunity because why wouldn't you and effectively this is actually distorting price discovery in market and causing some pretty predictable you know behaviors which i actually observe with my model you know the net option pricing effect so I think people are, you know, waking up to the distortionary effects of, you know, options trading from retail investors. And what this is going to lead us to, anything is anybody's guess, effectively. Hmm. It's really more just like, where do we go from here? And will this eventually cause some kind of market, you know, disruption? Hmm. I mean, I guess it, it kind of depends on how, how it ends. Uh, I guess uh, we'll see how that goes. Um, but like one of the things, like I saw you, uh, we spoke about this before we started and I saw you speaking uh, or tweeting even about uh, how you felt about some of the language used on, on, on Wall Street bets and some of the jokes that they make. So uh, for anyone that doesn't know and is listening, the um, Wall Street bets they have, they call each other retards, which is an anagram of traders or audists like uh as in autistic people. And that has drawn serious criticism um, from, from some people on who have been writing about the phenomenon and about the community. They've said they've said they use vulgar language. And um, to me, I was like taken aback a little when I first saw it. But like having having spent quite a lot of time due to the fact I'm I'm doing a lot of research into it, like looking at the forum, I, to me it doesn't feel like it's meant with malice. Um, it's it feels almost like a term of endearment to to each other um, on the forum, and so I'm I'm kind of conflicted on it. And so yeah, I I wanted to kind of get like your more expanded thoughts, not just your your tweets about it. Effectively, you know, I have. My, my brother and my dad have autism spectrum disorder. You know, I actually work, you know, in my, my day job currently. 
as a research student where a lot of what I focus on is the genetics of autism spectrum disorder. So for me, yeah, I mean, for me, I find it a bit distasteful. I've, you know, not been super quiet about finding the term distasteful because I think that it's, you know, at least mildly offensive. Do I think they mean it maliciously? No. Do I intend to please others? You know, really no, because it's the internet. Like (laughs) people say whatever they want and nobody cares anyway. So like, would in an ideal world could they switch their language to something else i think would be better but you know again it's it's the internet i like i said i don't personally believe it's used maliciously but i do believe that it may be offensive to others mm. i mean i guess that's fair um i can't i can't really argue with with that uh, <laughs> you, i think you you nailed it and you said that it's the internet people are going to say what they want um <laughs> so do you think we're going to see the continuation of this kind of like meme stock phenomenon? Or do you think this is like a one-off thing um, that we'll see the, the the SEC clamp down on like message boards or, or online discussions of stock or uh, w- w- where do you, where do you think this goes? Do you think this is like the, a, a single event or the start of more? I mean, this has been going on for years. I mean, the Torrey and the weed stock bubble was in 2018. You saw crypto as well around the same time period. Before that, you had stocks like Micron. I mean, meme stocks have existed as long as the market has existed. You know, investors have find stories to various narratives. And you see like this cult of Tesla. You see, you know, Bitcoin people are very adamant about what they're doing. I don't think it can be extinguished. And I think the internet has done both a service in basically expanding the average investor's understanding of the market, but also increasing the severity of the various bubbles that form around these, you know, meme stocks. Mm. I mean, I guess like uh, a friend of mine who's who's um, studying to be an accountant has a, uh, has frowned quite a lot on so my best friend and i we both got like a tiny bit of GameStop. we bought in 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 january um for the fun basically uh we like the idea of of sticking it to the hedge funds for for a few quid um so we're still holding um we're all we're both uh, you know well in well in the green so if things start to go really south then we could just get out and we'd be fine but um <laughs> like do you, he, he's basically been very down on the idea that we're just riding a bubble and he doesn't feel like th- this is uh, either sustainable or like ethical <laughs> or um just investing in and he he kind of he kind of looks at like like looks at us as if we're we're in a casino uh like just placing placing roulette bets instead <laughs> um while he does his you know long-term deep value investing uh, <laughs> but do you do you see again do you see like the sec stepping in in some way to kind of try and curb this severity of the bubbles that you've described i don't think it's really in the sec purview because in a lot of cases nobody's actually doing anything wrong you know you might see a couple figureheads you know get a slap on their wrist but the sec cannot prevent people from buying stocks i mean there's the joke is the GameStop. everybody just likes to stock you know there isn't really any good argument for any organized market manipulation here and effectively this is just adults making a decision to buy a stock mm. i mean i i will i will play this this uh, podcast out with um a great great remix of the the kramer we like the stock interview um it's a fantastic dance track 
and I really enjoy that. There's like an entire genre of music that's popped up around this. Um, and uh, I get the feeling that quite a lot of people have kind of jumped on it because they're bored and uh, sad at the state of the world and they enjoy this because it's like a distraction almost from from the state of the rest of the world. Um, I don't know if you think that's like a realistic assessment of what's happened. So one of my friends, Andrew Newport, actually wrote a nice piece that I share on Twitter, um, basically talking about this idea of hypernormalization. And effectively, this is kind of, in a more philosophical sense, this nihilism that a lot of the younger generation has due to this pervasive income inequality especially in these, you know, Western countries. Mm. And effectively it's just like, okay, I'll either go broke or get rich, you know, with these, it's basically, it's like, I don't give a, I don't give a bleep, you know, of if I lose all my money because this is my lottery ticket to a better life. Mm. Yeah. I definitely got that, that impression that, that like, that's, that's the sentiment that that's been echoing uh, across. Like there's a couple like wall street beds, wall street beds, new there's, or slash GME. Um, and it's definitely something with, with like people, the attitude is very much like we're going to save the world by creating the greatest top down wealth transfer of all time ever by asking for like a million dollars a share, or we're going to go broke trying. Um, it's, <laughs> oh, it cracks me up. Yeah, I mean, I think that's essentially it. It's like people are already like so unfazed of this idea of losing money and they think that the system is so skewed against them. And it's like, okay, whatever. You know, I'm just going to shoot my shot. And if I make money, cool. If I lose it, whatever. I'm still broke anyway. Mm. So, um, Lily, like, uh, I know you're working on the on the Nope chart. Uh, is there any anything else that you've got coming up in the future or anything you want to plug before we wrap this up? I'm definitely working on more models to predict these meme stock behavior. So, I mean, hopefully I'll still people on Twitter love that I tend to call you that ahead of time. Uh, we're seeing right now with Tilray and the other weed stocks are seemingly, you know, shooting their own shots today. I mean, news came out about marijuana legalization, which kind of sent everybody in a tizzy. Mm. And that's about it. I mean, I'm hoping to do more cool research on markets. Uh, well, uh, so in in conclusion, then before we play the we like the stock song, um, um, the you don't think that the mother of all short squeezes is coming, and would you suggest that people start paper handing it and sell while they've got while they've got profits? I can't say that because the internet will take it. That's true. No financial advice here, folks. Don't listen to anything we've said. Uh, it's all rubbish. So um, thanks very much, Lily. This has been been an absolute pleasure. Thank you. Glad to, you know, share some info. Thanks so much for listening. If you enjoyed the show, please subscribe, follow me on Twitter, or sign up to our mailing list. Thanks a lot to our sponsor, ExpressVPN, the number one most trusted VPN. Get lightning-fast connectivity with servers in 160 locations across 94 countries. Keep your browsing privacy safe with ExpressVPN and get a 35% discount on 12 months of ExpressVPN when you follow the link in the description below. Don't forget my book is now out and available to order on Amazon and on bookshop.org. That's Brexit, the Establishment Civil War. And most importantly, thanks for listening. We'll see you next time.